Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. Well, feels like I was just here. Oh, wait a minute. I was just here. Last night we had our big draft show to rave reviews. I think it's safe to say we'll be doing it again next year as uh, we had the first two rounds covered here on the radio first time in the history of this station and I don't know of another Canadian radio station that has covered a CFL draft so there you go I know an American one wouldn't (laughs) so I don't know why I said Canadian there but there hasn't been a radio maybe down in Mexico (laughs) who knows yeah well there's a global draft that went before the Canadian draft you just heard my producer, Sean Kleisinger. This show is brought to you by spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. It's night number three of the NHL. A uh, couple of big games. The Edmonton Oilers have to win tonight. If they, they to. Lo- if they lose to L.A., they are basically dead. They got to win tonight on home ice. They've lost 10 straight or Mike Smith has lost 10 straight in the playoffs, going back to his days in Calgary. Uh, The Edmonton Oilers have lost seven straight home playoff games, and they've lost four straight in the playoffs when Connor and Leon have scored in the same game. So something's got to give here. The other one, St. Louis leads Minnesota one game to none. The Wild, we expected a very tight series there. The Wild, better winner. They're in trouble too, going back to St. Louis. Uh, as St. Louis is up one game to none. Leafs are up one nothing on Tampa. They host them tonight. Lightning, got to come back after that 5 nothing drubbing. And then, of course, it's Boston at Carolina with the Hurricanes up. One game to run after a 5-1 thrashing of the bees in Boston. the first game. Yeah, Boston. Okay, uh, we got a lot coming up on the show. We're going to hear from Neil McAvoy, the BC Lions, their GM. The uh, Saskatchewan Lions, as I've renamed them, as they took four Saskatchewan kids, including Ryder Varga of the Rams, in the uh, CFL draft. We'll hear from Mike Reagan of the Flynn Flon Bombers. It's still a homer series. They won 6-1 last night to force the seventh and deciding game back in Estevan, so we'll talk to the head coach of the Bombers, uh, Mike Reagan. And in a couple of seconds here, we'll hear from Jeremy O'Day and Kyle Carson on what the Riders did in the draft yesterday. But it is... (laughs) It's like every other radio station. It's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Yeah, you Star Wars nerds. Here's some Star Wars facts for you, but since you're fans, you know about this already it's for us other folks out there george lucas used real world war ii footage of aerial battles aka dogfights for the space battles harrison ford's casting as han solo was accidental he was uh just around to help feed lines to actors that were auditioning but george liked harrison's delivery the best and put him in the role kurt russell was a guy who was auditioning by the way uh george uh, lucas originally wanted Jim Henson, who created the Muppets, to play Yoda. 
Yoda's original name was supposed to be Buffy. Then it was supposed to be Minchiota, whatever the hell that is. And then they settled on Yoda. And Chewbacca, Peter Mayhew's his real name, uh, he was picked because of his height, seven foot three. So some Star Wars facts for you, you Star Wars nerds. And with that, I have to say, I think I'm right when I say Nanu Nanu. Is that not a Star Wars thing? Yeah. Nanu Nanu. Aren't you a Star Wars nerd? I, I'm not a nerd. I've watched all the, I've seen yeah. all the movies okay, multiple well, times. Then you're a nerd. Anyway. This, right, I'm a nerd. This is for you. This, this is for you, Zinger. Let's do this. Hit it. It's been a while since I was. Mama tucked me in I am a star When's the last time you had a bath, singer? Uh, <laughs> last Friday. <laughs> That's what I thought. Last you Friday, are, man. You, I'm are, a... you are a Star Wars nerd. You really <laughs> are. You know what else you are? You're a sports nerd, and I love you for that. Uh, so you were as geeked up last night as I was for the draft. Our own Blaine Wyland was there at the stadium after the draft to get some uh, audio from Jeremy O'Day and the uh, player personnel guy, Kyle Carson. Jeremy, how does the unfolding of the draft compared to what your wish list would have been going in? Um, you know, I think the couple areas that we, we felt like we needed to get some depth in, we, we were able to accomplish that. And um, We've got a couple guys that, uh, as we talked about before, that are going to be retiring. And so we felt like there was a couple er- areas that we needed to create some depth at and create some competition at. We feel like we've, we've done that, and that was kind of the goal going in, and we we're happy with it. And like I say, after every draft, we're, we're happy with the guys we picked because we picked them, right? So, um, well, you know, the drafts don't really – can't really get graded out till a few years down the road to see how the players turn out and, and see what they've accomplished for your team. So, but we feel good about it. We're happy uh, with the guys we picked and we're happy that the draft's over. There's a lot of work that goes into it, Kyle, and, and the video crew and the coaches and, and everyone in personnel puts a lot of time into uh, the draft. Lots of hours watching film and lots of, uh, lots of interviews, lots of calling, lots of gathering of information. Jeremy, analyst, you kind of described what you liked about him. Can you just describe what type of receiver he is? Um, well, he's got a, he's got enough speed where I, I don't know if I'd uh, you know uh, isolate him on just one position, but I think he's he has the ability to play both inside and outside. Um, obviously, he's never had any experience with the waggle, but um, you know if you can play uh, from a stand-up position and be an outside receiver, then usually you can make the adjustments to the waggle. The waggle is only going to benefit a, a receiver in the long run. So um, he played a, a stationary position because uh, he played in the NCAA, but um, you know, he's fast enough and, and has uh, good enough ball skills where he attacks the ball. And um, some of his highlights are pretty impressive of him going over top DBs and making plays. And, um, you know, high character kid that we, we, that we uh, put a lot of time into. 
what separated him from the Philpot that was still there? They got a lot of attention into this draft. Why would why did you go with him over them? Yeah, I think it's more more for us. It was about the difference in the measurables. Um, MLS is a, a little bit bigger, a little bit uh, heavier. Um, tested out just a, a smidgen better than than the Phil Potts. They're they're both really good football players too. And, and to be honest with you, that was our conversation uh, going uh, going into that pick is which one we were going to take. And uh, we just had them a little bit a bit ahead. We think they're all good football players. And unfortunately, you can't pick them all. There's a lot of guys that we'd love to have on our team, but you know it's it's uh, not a situation where you can pick all of them. And you just got to try to make the best pitch, picks that are available and have good discussions while we're in there. And cited his over the top ability. Last year, uh, Cody lamented at one point the, uh, the fact that the 50-50 balls weren't being caught. Did you see that in particular as a deficiency, especially factoring in what Cody said, albeit in a moment of frustration last year? I'm going to be honest with you, we, we didn't think about that at all. Um, you know, we, we certainly like his ball skills going up and making big plays over DBs. And, um, you know, I don't think we looked at it and said we didn't, didn't have very many of those last year and made the deciding factor. You know, I think we've got some receivers that can go up and, and make plays on the ball. And, and uh, you know, I think it was just a little bit of an off year. We went from one of the best to, to one of the lower or the worst and in, in, in the deep ball rate. So um, hopefully we get back to where we were a couple of years ago and making those big plays because they're, they're important for us. I know it's always a good story when a local guy gets selected, so I don't know if Kyle, you want to take this one, but what can you say about Riley Borsman being able to, to draft a local guy? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a bonus that he's local, but, um, you know, we like the kid. He's one of the fastest kids in the draft, uh, productive for two seasons uh, there at Regina, and didn't get to participate in the in the one-on-one -on -one portion of the, at the National because I think he tweaked a... He has a hamstring. Hamstring, yeah. something like that. But, uh, you know, good tape, good character. Um, and uh, we, we really liked his, his route running ability. Do you guys, would you rather, your philosophy in the draft, would you rather reach for a guy or try to wait and maybe get him late? Uh, a guy like that who, who did show well at the Combine, did you think about drafting him early? Or maybe just talk about your overall philosophy. Would you rather reach for a guy that, that might be a couple picks earlier than you would like him or would you rather um, let him fall and, and try to get him late? I think we had some examples of this in this in the draft where we we had guys that we liked but we felt like there was a little bit of reach um, and we ended up waiting on them um, or not picking them going with uh, sticking with our board and we ended up getting those guys in in the next round um, so it, I think it happened twice to us in this draft um, you know and there's also situations in the draft where we talked about a guy with the the pick, and then we took somebody else, and then you know three picks, picks later the guy got picked. But um, you know, I think we do a very good job. If you know if you're in our draft room, we we probably have the next five picks listed at all all time, and they they we're really pretty close to with with what teams select. So uh, I don't want to say we get it right all the time, but you know we're we got a pretty good idea who the next guy's up, and you know all the other teams do their work as well. But um, you know we. We put a lot of time into it, so um, you know we do a, a fairly good job of ranking our guys and giving them grades. And you know, it's not just one guy looking at film and giving them a grade. It's a group effort. And when you do it as a as a group, what what that does is if there's there's a grade that's out of place, it makes the other guys take a peek at it again, make sure that uh, we got a good grade on them. And you know, and sometimes there's you know uh, there's always going to be disagreements between each other, and we have them all the time. But um, you know, I think that's a good thing. I think that. We, when we challenge each other and, and try to make each other think differently, that, that's, a, that's a positive thing. 
but we but we did have Riley high, higher than where he went, so we were we were pleased to get him where we did. Yeah. Especially when you look at I mean a sub four point five forty and his vertical at the combine. When you when you see those and their raw numbers, but what do they lead you to project as far as his potential? Yeah, I mean athletically, he checks all the boxes, right? Um, you know, we see that we, we feel like he he's got a chance to play slot or out wide, and uh, like I said, his his production's there, and we we thought he did really really well at at, at the Western Regional, and just didn't really get a, a chance to showcase himself at the national. But you know, he, he's a good football player. Sorry, okay, uh, clarification question. Diego uh, Alatore Montoyo, is there a reason he's not a global player? Um, and, and what's the differential because he is from Mexico? Yeah, he's got a really cool story. So he's he's from Mexico, uh, as you're alluding to. Um, there's a new rule now where if you, if you come from another country but you play all four of your years at a youth sports program, you can be eligible for the CFL draft. So... Uh, he was down, I believe he was playing for the Mexican national team, uh, Coach Nil, who's obviously the head coach at uh, UBC, identified him as a, uh, you know, a good player, uh, brought him up, and uh, he took a step basically every, every single year. He's, um, he's a Canada West All-Star, three-time uh, all-academic Canadian, and uh, he interviewed really, really well. You know, he loves football, he cares a lot, so... We, we were excited to get him. We, we think he's got a bright future. So what would you say about his skill set on the field then? Yeah, we think he's a really good player. I mean, we watched him uh, again as, as early as this afternoon. We watched him again and um, just taking a peek. We're, we had some time in between the, the global draft and the regular draft. And, um, you know, we saw that uh, the offensive line position is a position that was going um, was, was to go fairly quick in the first couple rounds. And, um, so we went back and took another peek at him, and he's a really good football player. So we um, we drafted two offensive linemen. Both of them have different skill sets. One of them's probably better suited to, for inside play, being center and guard. Uh, and the other one's probably better suited for tackle with maybe the ability to play t uh, guard. So um, two different guys, two different skill sets. Um, you know, we have to look at our O line, and we we think that we needed a little bit of depth there. Um, we also got uh, you know one guy that's aging that's uh, that's doing a great job for us that. Um, you know, we hope he keeps playing at a high level, but, um, you know, we also have to be prepared for the future. So, um, uh, we really liked him as a player, um, strong player. He's, uh, you know, six, two and a half, I think he's 312 pounds yeah. and a very stout player. And, um, Kyle did a nice job actually asking him to, uh, put together a workout tape playing, uh, taking some center snaps just to show some versatility. And, and he was more than willing to do that, which showed us a lot. And, as Kyle said, his interview was just awesome. He came, he came dressed and ready to roll. So, Jeremy, you mentioned offensive lineman. Is there anything new to report with uh, Brendan Labatt? Did his situation factor into your draft strategy at all? No, but I, I will, uh, I will, I will make the promise. As soon as I hear something, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> just one word for um, Diego. Can he be considered a Nash, uh, a global, or is he strictly a national? Is there any sort of loophole that you can sort of leverage? Yeah, he's both? he's considered a national, which which makes sense because um, you know we have to play with a certain amount of nationals and have a certain amount of nationals on the on the roster. So if he was a, considered a global, then he would only be able to replace an American um, on offense or defense. Uh, he would only he could be, he could play on special teams for anyone, but on offense and defense, he'd have to replace a, an American. So. It's a, it's a benefit for him to be classified as a, as a national. Yeah. 
How much of an impact do you think this draft class can have for the upcoming season? Well, that's a great question. You know, we, we actually, uh, as we get um, further into the draft process, we actually look at the board and say, you know, which one of these guys are going to are gonna help us, right? So, um, you know, it's not easy to come in and, and have an impact. Um, you know, I think we saw it last year with, with Keenan Schaefer-Baker had a had an impact year for us, and uh, he was only, I think he was a fourth-round pick for us. So um, it's not the easiest. You know, we've got our Canadians from back five, six years ago, and guys that we've signed from other teams. But, um, you know, they're going to have an opportunity if you look at receiver. Um, we've lost uh, two receivers, one one to the NFL and and uh, one that we took in the second round last year. And, you know, we have Mitch Pickman and we signed Wesley Lewis. And uh, so they're going to be competing uh, for that uh, that second receiver spot with uh, with Schaefer Baker and and uh, and Justin McInnes, right? So, um, you know, there's an open position there that was left when, when Lenius left and there'll be a competition for that and the best guy would win that. But we, you know, we play with two Canadian receivers and, um, you know, last year I think we dressed four of them. Um, when you when you factored in um, uh, 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 Jake Hardy, who played a lot of special teams for us, we dressed uh, four Canadian receivers. And then the offensive line, you know, it, it's always a competition. You know, obviously we have our three inside guys back uh, that were our starters last year, um, but we'll always create competition there. And, you know, can one of these guys uh, make it in to be a six-man or can they challenge the guys that we already have? We'll, we'll wait and see in training camp. But... Um, the other guys are, are really that we brought some special teams value, um, so they'll they'll challenge to to be on our special teams and and be role players and depth players for us. But um, you know we take everyone for a reason. We don't ever pick a guy and say uh, he's not going to make our team or he's going to be good for training camp. We just don't you know don't don't feel feel like that's the right way to do. Do you expect all eight at camp, or are there guys going to school, or uh, guys going to NFL opportunities? I think that's just endless. Yeah, yeah. So Amos is going to be going to a, a mini camp, so um, I'm not exactly sure of the dates of, of when, when that is, but it may impact whether he's at rookie camp. Um, and he may get an opportunity to go to camp, so if he does, then um, you know, we'll have to see. There's always, there's always a risk of, of taking guys that are getting into mini camps, and um, you know, they always have a chance to get signed. So, um, But other than that, we, we feel all the guys will be here. How pleased were you to get in the first round of the Global Draft somebody who started at UCLA? Yeah, we were excited. Yeah, we were excited about that. You know, we started off the day we were pretty, pretty happy. Um, it's 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 such a tricky um, uh, thing to do with the globals because there's there's all sorts of different things in there. With um, guy, there's there's guys in the global draft that are already in the NFL. There's guys that just got drafted in the NFL. There's guys that signed free agent deals in the NFL. So you had to kind of sort through it to see what kind of risk you're willing to take. Um, we feel like we're in a good spot. Um, you know, with our globals, we're obviously going with a global punter where we have two really good global punters um, that we feel are going to fill one of those spots. We just, you know, we're unsure right now if it's going to be one global on the roster or two. Um, so if it's going to be two, we felt like we needed a guy that could come in and, and help us out on special teams. And, um, you know, as you said, we were happy. Uh, he was the top guy on our board uh, of guys that we could get that we're, we're hoping that we'll get right away. Coming right away, yeah. 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 Whether it's one or two, how will that be determined? Is that the CBA or is that a different? Uh, yeah, that will be that will be determined in the CBA. Yeah. That was Jeremy O'Day and Kyle Carson from the executive side of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders GM and player personnel guru, and uh, they're talking about the Riders draft hall from last night. We'll speak with the 
First selection from the Rough Riders, Sam Emelis, the receiver from Louisiana Tech. That comes at 5.30. But up next, we go to Flin Flon and talk to a regular on this show. Now, Mike Reagan, coach and GM of the Bombers. The SJHL Finals going to a Game 7. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. The show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. This portion of the show is brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer call 781-1077. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials all right let's head out in the western pizza hotline talk to a regular guest on this show all of a sudden mike reagan the longtime coach and gm of the flin flon bombers it's still a homer series man hopefully for you you can break it because we're going to a game seven in estevan but the last two in flin flon have been blowout seven one and then six one last night tell me about that game mike yeah it's pretty intense you know obviously our backs were up against the wall and uh you know, this is the first time in the playoffs that we've been facing an elimination game. So uh, for us to come out and respond the way we did, uh, pretty proud of the boys. And um, you're really not sure how how, you, how they're going to handle it with the, the pressure and that. But, uh, you know, just like uh, we've done all, all playoffs here, we've had a great response from them and uh, obviously very excited about Game 7. Well, and obviously that'll bode well for you in Game 7 because... Uh, the Estevan Bruins have never had their backs against the wall. Now, you had the, the, the tune-up game, and then you get to do it again here in Game 7 in their rink. Well, hopefully we're a little more prepared now that uh, we've had to <laughs> go through that. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure that uh, um, they're feeling confident playing in their, their own rink as well. And um, we've liked the way we've played there. You know, we were 5.8 seconds away from oh. um, being up 3-2 in the series, coming home, but, uh, you know, weren't able to close it out, so... Uh, we get another shot at it here, and hopefully we're we're successful. Yeah, did you have to do much in terms of lifting the boys' spirits up after that one? That was a heartbreaker. You you had them and just couldn't finish it off. So what was the mood like coming back to Flin Flon for that game six? Yeah, you know, it was uh, pretty somber in the dressing room afterwards. You know, we were pretty down, and uh, I'm not going to lie, I uh, had a tough time sleeping that night. And uh, um, it was the boys, actually, you know, that were – able to have a great response the next morning for breakfast before we took off out of Astavan. You know, they were in good spirits and very confident. And, you know, as a coach, uh, they actually did a great job at actually boosting my spirits, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I wasn't sure what the, the mood was going to be like at breakfast, but uh, they handled it great. And uh, it was a good bus trip home, and uh, you could tell that they – they believed in themselves and that they were going to be ready for Game 6. i tell you what, it's, uh, I mean, let's throw it all on the table here. Game 7 for the league championship. When's the last time the Bombers have won a championship, a league championship? 1992-93, so yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, and theirs is 1999, I think. So the two uh, suffering teams that won a SJHL championship. But for your team, too, you're getting comfortable in some very familiar uh, surroundings here as uh, you'll play in the Centennial Cup there, too. So you're getting the lay of the land pretty good here. Yeah, I guess it, that's that's an advantage for us. It'll probably feel like a home rink by the time we yeah. get to the Centennial Cup here. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I mean, it's a beautiful facility, and... Uh, 
we're excited about the opportunity, but we got uh, business to take care of here yeah. Friday night before uh, we'll worry about the Centennial Cup. Okay, so lastly, Mike Reagan, what what like what's your job as a coach for a game seven? Uh, just make sure that uh, the guys are loose. You know, I think that uh, sometimes you can go into those situations a little uptight, and uh, um, you know, I think that uh, the looser we are, the the better we're going to play. You know, and obviously both teams are going to be ramped up for it uh there's nothing like a game seven and there's very few opportunities uh you know as a player or as a coach that you get uh to play in a game seven so it's going to be a special feeling here and um we're excited about the opportunity lastly what can you i mean we talk about it all the time but it takes goaltending your goaltender is playing at like a 934 save percentage for the playoffs that is lights out i thought i thought 960 would be too much to that would be otherworldly but 935 that's not bad yeah, well, if you actually uh, remove his first two games of the playoffs where against Battleford and, uh, you know, he gave up 11 goals in, in the first two games, I mean, he'd be floating around that 950, 960 percentage, I think. So uh, he's been tremendous for us. He's been our MVP all year, and uh, he's continued that here in the playoffs. Well, safe uh, bus travels uh, to Estevan, and good luck in Game 7, man. We'll be watching it. Yeah, thanks very much. Appreciate it. That's Mike Reagan, longtime coach, GM of the Flynn Flon Bombers. Game seven, seventh heaven. Who will it be for? Will it be the home team that holds serve again? It's been a homer series. Or will the visitors, the Flynn Flon Bombers, come out on top? When we come back, we'll catch up with the general manager of the Saskatchewan Lions of the CFL. That's Neil McAvoy. Yes, they went almost all Saskatchewan in the draft yesterday. We'll talk to him about that. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Show is brought to you by our good friends at Spreads.ca. I just put my bet in tonight. Little $7 wager that can bring me home 23 Oh, yeah, buy myself a small pizza from Western Pizza. Uh, gotten, going with the Oilers over the Kings and the uh, Tampa Lightning to respond against the Leafs. We'll see. Uh, I call it the bounce back bet. The show, like I said, brought to you by spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and they'll match your first deposit of 25 to 250 Dollars. Uh, all the guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. And you can weigh in on the show. 936-6262 is the text number. That is the best way to get a hold of us. You can also call that number if you'd like. That uh, that text line is brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, uh, the number one Ford dealership in the province. Well, last night we had our first ever CFL draft show. I think Zinger went really well. You did a great job. Tip of the cap to you, my friend. Oh, man, it was all you, man. I thought, well, it wasn't all me. You helped out. It was awesome, man. I think we. I actually think we even kicked TSN's butt, just the two of us. It was the best draft coverage in I the country. So. In the country. There was only TSN and us. That's kind of sad to say, but we were the only radio station doing it. And next year we're doing it from the first pick to the, what do what they call the last guy? Mr. Irrelevant? Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. That, that'll be easy to do. Just won't have Zinger at night that night. We could start, you know, have our regular cage at four and go all the way up until 11 or midnight. Yeah, whatever. I think actually, whatever. We'll I think it was sleep actually, here too. I think it was actually done at 10. But yeah, we'll get a pizza sponsor. We'll have everything. Anyway, last night, uh, we were kind of shocked early in the draft when at number three, Nathan Cherry of the U.S. Huskies went to the uh, BC Lions. And then the Lions would proceed at number 12 to take Noah Zur of the U of S Huskies. Then a little later on, at number Riley 29, Pickett. they took Ryder Varga at 29. Then at 40, uh, 
uh, 41, I, I want to say, they took Riley Pickett. So four of their picks, half of their picks were Saskatchewan guys. And that is why I am calling them the Saskatchewan Lions. Let's see what our uh, buddy Neil McAvoy, the general manager of the Leos, thinks about that. All right, Neil, uh, I, I don't know. Do I call you Saskatch- the Saskatchewan Lions? Boy, you guys went on a run yesterday with Saskatchewan kids in the draft. Just talk about that. Yeah, well, you know what? A lot of preparation goes into the Canadian Football League draft. And, you know, we had spent basically from December starting to uh, put our names into order. And um, so on draft day, you know, not that you're not thinking, but you just have the sheet in front of you and you're just picking the names. When the guys get checked off, you cross them off your list. And so uh, our top three, Nathan was obviously in that and he was available, so we picked him. And then when we got to 12, we wanted an offensive lineman and the best offensive lineman on our board at that time was Mr. Zur. So um, the two Saskatchewan guys we started off and that's just the way it went. And you know what, there was actually a chance to even pick more, uh, but at the end of the day, we just felt that uh, other positions were more of a need so uh, we, we went that way but at the, at the end of the day we bring in good football players regardless of where you're from and the province of Saskatchewan has always produced good football players and so we're excited about bringing those young men to uh, British Columbia and uh, having them uh, be BC Lions. Neil McAvoy, uh, what did you like about Nathan Cherry? Because I called him on our draft show last night here on CKRM right after he got drafted, uh, moments after, and he was even surprised. He said, you know, I'm just settling into my pizza and wings, and then I get this call, and it's a BC number, and I'm like, well, that can't be for me. So he even thought he'd go later than number three. What did you like about him? Well, you know what, I all our coaching staff and all our scouts felt that he was ready to play today. There, you know, were guys in the draft that uh, maybe have a higher ceiling, but we felt we wanted a guy to come in at that position and be able to give us reps in 2022. And uh, it was a consensus that, you know, Nathan was that player that would be able to come in right away and help us now. And I don't believe he has a lot. I believe he has lots of good football years. Again, those tough guys from Saskatchewan, they come in and play in the Canadian Football League for a long time. So it was an easy pick for us, a position of need, and, uh, you know, like I say, a good young man that we're going to bring in and uh, be happy with as a BC Lion. Got a good Humboldt guy there, a Husky alum in Kelly Bates on your coaching staff. And then, like you said, you went number 12 with Noah Zur, who was uh, thought to be the most pro-ready offensive lineman coming out of the draft, according to a lot of the so-called draft experts. What do you like about that big building with feet, Noah Zur, as I like to say? Yeah, exactly. The same thing, ready to go. Uh, you know what? He, he was on our draft board as our top guy, as our top offensive lineman. So I was nervous that once we picked Nathan that, and a couple offensive linemen, especially the young man from Ottawa went number two, Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, you know we weren't going to be able to pick an O lineman that we liked at twelve, but uh, when when Noah was there and we were able to get him, it was an easy choice for us. And so our first two picks, we can't uh, we're, we're we're really excited about it. it. Just turns out they're both two Saskatchewan boys, but two good football players at the end of the day how that about, will help us out. How about Ryder Varga from the Rams, a guy that's a really good football player as well, a good young man, I know him well, and uh, you know he would project to be a pretty good special teams guy. He's coming back to finish his engineering. How does that factor in to your decision in, in picking him at 29, I believe? 
Yeah, honestly, a guy that we wanted to pick at that point as a future guy. So Ryder will come to training camp and see what it's all about and then go back to school, uh, you know, to finish his degree and uh, play in uh, youth sport in 2022 and then come back to us in uh, 2023 and uh, compete for a job. But really good football player, again, a good guy. And we At that point, we had picked the guys we really wanted and we felt we could take, uh, you know, a guy that uh, wasn't going to help us this year and a future's pick for us. So we were excited about that pick as well. And, okay, uh, just give me a comment on Riley Pickett, the other Saskatchewan guy from the U of S. Huskies, kind of a running mate with Nathan Cherry on that D-line that was very productive on their Vanier Cup run. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, that, that, got, that just came down to uh, when we were picking at number 41, I believe it was, who is the best athletic special teams player on the board still available? And that person was Riley Pickett. Turned out he was also a Saskatchewan player, but uh, <laughs> the reality was it just it just went down at that point. When you get past the, you know, you're in the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, you're just going off of what your board tells you to do. And uh, the most athletic guy, the top guy on our board at that time was Riley Pickett. So again, an easy pick for us. So and Neil McAvoy picking John Mechie the third there uh, late uh, is that kind of like buying a lottery ticket when you make the Mechie pick? Yeah, exactly right. We had already picked the guys that we had wanted who were going to be coming to camp. Had already picked a guy like uh, Mr. Varga who was going to go back to school. So we really didn't want to just pick a guy for the sake of picking him. So we felt at that time, if you pick the lottery pick and it works out, hey, what a great pick. But uh, you know what, just a a young man and good Canadian football league player that we felt uh, we would take another chance on it to see if it ever turns out. All the talk, though, my friend, is about what you're doing at quarterback with Rourke and Michael O'Connor, and still some things to shake down before we get to rookie camp and then into camp. But just talk about the BC Lions mindset at the quarterback position because, you know, football's a copycat league, and I've talked to a few guys around the league, and they're very interested to see how this goes. Yeah, you know what? And We're only questioning it because we're Canadians. We always question ourselves. Uh-huh. I'm a Canadian kid. Um, if, if Nathan Rourke was a young quarterback from the University of Ohio that grew up in Chicago, we would say, what a great find by the BC Lions. They've done it again. They've got a great quarterback. But because he's Canadian, we all now have to question ourselves. Nathan's done nothing but come in and play at a high level. He practiced basically all last year at the number one spot because of the injury to Mr. Riley. So he's done all the things that we've ever asked him to do. And I'm excited to show everybody at exactly what this young man can do and show us that Canadians can actually play the quarterback position. We're all going to be excited and happy for him. What a refreshing attitude. I really like that attitude. You know, there's a guy that uh, was eligible for draft yesterday that didn't get picked, and his name is Mason Nias, and he's the quarterback of the U of S Huskies. And uh, I really think he should have won the Can West MVP. I just can't believe in a in a Canadian football league with a guy that has played this game at the most important position his whole life uh, that that guy can't be on a draft board somewhere or get a chance in camp. He's already gone to two training camps. It's one of those, like you just said, if you took a, if you took his name off his jersey or took away the name off the birth certificate and told the guy, hey, he's from Lexington, Kentucky, I bet you people go, oh, well, we got we to gotta take a look at this kid. Exactly right. Well, that's like, so we had Nathan O'Connor, sorry, Michael O'Connor, in our training camp as a UBC player for two years as the U-Sport quarterback. And, you know, we bring these Americans up. They don't know anybody other than the fact the player has a jersey and a name on the back. And they all thought he was an American quarterback, and he wasn't. He was a Canadian quarterback that played at UBC. Mm. So 
you're right. All these guys need is an opportunity, and if you give them, put them in the right position, they will succeed, and that's what we're going to do with uh, Mr. Rourke and Michael O'Connor as our number two guy. So that's the, that's the direction we're going in. And, again, I, it's not a gamble. The reality is it's always going to be a gamble with any position, any quarterback, regardless of where they grew up. The reality is these young men have played at a high level, and uh, we're just happy that we have them under contract. Neil, thank you very much for your time, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck. Thank you, sir. Thanks a lot for having me. It's 4.49 with the Sports Cage Sports Ticker. It's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. So the Edmonton Oilers need a win on home ice tonight in Game 2 of the best of seven versus the Kings. The puck will drop shortly after 8 o'clock. The early games tonight in Raleigh. Carolina looks to go up 2-0 on the Bruins at 5 p.m. The Maple Leafs will try and defend home ice for the second straight game versus Tampa. That game starts at 5.30. And St. Louis, Minnesota will go at it in Game 2 at 7.30 with the Blues leading the series. One game to nothing, Ballsy. And let's keep the show going. Head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Speak with the... Uh color commentator in the Calgary Flames radio network. It's Peter's Puck. Peter Lubardius joining us. Uh, how was the atmosphere last night? How does that ra- oh. It was nice to have people back in the building. Oh, it was, it was fabulous. It was uh, one of the best nights, if not the best night atmosphere-wise that I can remember. Certainly to start the game. I've, you know, there's been some moments over the years where maybe the building popped after a goal uh equally as much but it was uh it was it was a really really great night and uh, a lot of fun to be there and what a sound performance for calgary i don't even think jacob markstrom needed goalie pads peter (laughs) well um you know i i think you're right in the sense that uh you know he only had three or four to make it wasn't a very high event game um at either end think there was about 10 scoring chances total in the whole game which was a tad surprising but no as far as how the flames checked and and the amount they gave up was was limited but they didn't necessarily generate a lot either but um you know they'll take it and they loved their first period they thought the last two were okay and they'll take the win and see if uh they can do some other things a little better tomorrow. That's the beauty of uh, the Calgary Flames, I think. And I say this, uh, I say that with a little bit of uh, puke in my mouth because I'm not a Flames guy. But I will yeah, tell you that I will tell you that I think I think we've uh, yeah we've established that you and me yeah. yeah. But, but I like their commentator. I, I don't necessarily like the team. I like their coach. Uh, uh, I respect the team. But I will tell you this: they can play you anyway. They can grind it. They can hit you. They can score. That's probably the most enticing thing about this team. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because in today's media availability, um, following that win, that was the message from, you know, a couple of people, including Matthew Kachuk, that, and it's very true, you know, they, they can win some high scoring games every once in a while, but, um, you know, their, their bread and butter really is, you know, what they give up. I think they lost one game or two games all year, one in regulation, where you know, when they give up two or less, they don't lose very often. Um, they can play it physically. 
Um, you know, they can get in transition with you. You're right. That's that. I don't disagree with that at all. I'll tell you what. I love playoffs for the storylines, whether it's Chris Contos or John Drews or Fernando Pisani or, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, 87 with Ron Hextall. How about Louis Domingue last night with the Pittsburgh Penguins? He is sit- Speaking of a guy not wearing goalie pads, I half expected that guy to be in blue jeans on the bench. Like, he's not getting in. And then DeSmith goes down. This guy has to come in in the second overtime of a Stanley Cup series where his team is the underdog and they win the game. That is outstanding. After crushing spicy black, spicy pork and broccoli, um, and then one of the quotes, not the best. Uh, I obviously when he entered the game, and you know he was in Calgary last year or the year before last year. They all run into one another. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That game was legendary. Unfortunately, I didn't see as much of it as I would have liked because I was so busy. But um, Man alive, Louis Domingue coming in. They're already without Jari. Then Casey just goes down, and and he comes in and makes seventeen saves. You're right. You know, uh, it's funny what you said. Louis Domingue coming in would have reminded me of the old show Happy Days, and <laughs> in high school basketball, the coach went to put the Ralph Mel. <laughs> And Mouth said, Coach, I got jeans on under my sweat. I never play. <laughs> well, I always laugh because that was like Martin Brodeur's backup. He never got in. So honestly, he probably wore paysetter sweats on the bench. He, I, I don't have to put I don't have to put pads on. I'm not going in. But this Domingue guy goes in and goes crazy. Okay, quickly, we got about two minutes or less. Do you see the Leafs Lightning Oilers King series evening up tonight or could it be two nothing in both those series? Well, I think I think Tampa's going to play much better. I'm going to guess that Edmonton is going to play with far more urgency to begin. You know that, Michael. As you know, you watch them very closely in Oilerland. That's been a bit of a disturbing trend over the last few playoff years that they've had, where in a number of cases they've been the favorite. It's it's almost like in games and in series. They they need to feel like, oh boy, we're in trouble before they turn it up. Tampa can't play any worse. So they're going to be a lot better. I'm, I'm fascinated to see um, that game will not be 5 to nothing, um, And I will not bet against Tampa, but what an opportunity for the Leafs. Because if they can come out and win again, then to me... Defending champs are in trouble, and this might be a, a spring and into the summer that the Leafs will really enjoy. Well, and and uh, the the other one, Minnesota, Minnesota better win or it's getting late early, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, see, I mean, that's that's why they play, right? So, including myself, everybody would have thought that series, and it still may get there, would have been slam bam, get to Game Seven for fun. No, you're right. And, and when you're on the wrong side of it, especially early at home, yeah, there'll be a few, uh, be a few tight areas in the seats tonight yeah. at XL Energy Center.
Yeah, for sure. Hey, Pete, thanks for your time, man. Uh, I always appreciate you coming on, talking hockey and, and life in general. Thanks a lot. Take care, man. Okay, I bet you've talked a little of CFL draft today. Go green. Bye-bye. Yeah, see ya, man. Yeah, no, we talked a lot of CFL draft, and we will continue talking CFL draft just before uh, 6 o'clock with Sam Emelis, the first pick for the Riders, seventh overall receiver out of Louisiana. But next, we're talking to... WHL official who could be an emerging country star? Zinger, you heard the tune. Great tune. We should get it on the airway. I think we are going to actually uh, play it next play. hour. Yeah, we are. Absolutely. Brent Vandermeulen joins us next. Talking some hockey, some music, some pandemic hobbies. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Advocating for Saskatchewan's older people for 30 years skseniorsmechanism.ca and it's the day after the cfl draft 2022 edition and around 5 30 you'll hear from the riders first pick seventh overall receiver from louisiana tech 6'1 200 200 pounder that would be sam emelis he will join us montreal born and we'll chat with him in our profiles feature the show is brought to you by spreads.ca sign up using the code ckrm and they'll match your first deposit of 25 to $250. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, except for the ones in studio. Our next one is in studio, but when they join us on the phone like Sam will, it's courtesy of the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. And if you want to weigh in on the show, best way to do it is via the text line. That is 936-6262. It's powered by Capital Ford Lincoln up there on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Uh, Saskatchewan's number one for dealership. You can custom make your own vehicle right now, which is kind of cool. All right. So uh, my next guest is in studio and we'll get, he's here for two reasons. First off, we want to talk hockey, Uh, his hockey background. He's a referee, both in the Western hockey league and the SJHL friend of mine from the gym over there at the brick house. This would be Brent Vandermeulen. How you doing, bud? doing great thanks for having me yeah thanks for being on now hey do you got him on the right mic there zinger everything okay there okay good okay okay so you are a western hockey league sjhl ref just to rewind a bit you've been on my podcast before but talk about how long have you been a referee uh, i'm on 24 years now i started when i was 10 years old and uh, i've uh, had a lot of time on the ice started out kind of both refing and linesing mm-hmm. um and then through most of my 20s was a referee in the sjhl and uh, eventually kind of switched to linesing. And the last, I guess, four or five years now, I've been uh, linesing in, in both leagues. So do you have to be a better athlete to be a linesman or a referee? Uh, linesman, for yeah. sure. At, at this point now, I mean, those referees don't skate nearly as much as we do. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of skating. <laughs> yeah. And you're the guys to jump in and break up fights, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Every yeah. every stoppage, we're coming in off the blue line and skating icings, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, lots of skating. So you, you hurt yourself in a game in Swift Current. Is that right? You tripped in a rut or something? I did, yeah. We were just like kind of watching. A, was it a Pats game? It was, uh, no, we were in Swift. Uh, it was Swift and Red Deer, I Okay. Believe. Yeah. And, uh. It was just a stupid accident, you know, just happened to uh, catch an edge. It wasn't even during play. It was, you know, not a cool story or anything like that. Yeah. But, uh, so you fell yeah. down in front of the crowd? Yeah. And did the they all get it down? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they love that. And so what, you pop out your shoulder or what? Popped it out, yeah. Kind of did the whole like, oh my God, that hurt. And and then, um, you know, shoved it back in like I've seen in, you know, the football movies, right? And it's mm. like, put me back in coach, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, 
you know, I thought I could keep going. And then, um, you know, I went through the second period. We went into the second intermission and, and the guys were like, dude, like you, you can't go back out there. So, right. I, you know, sat the third out, but, mm. uh, yeah, I had a slow, I guess, start to the season, but uh, ramped up uh, in back in December. Okay, so that's a little bit of a direction. It's not your fault. Just get right into the yep. middle of it. Yeah, it's kind of, we've been tinkering with it in the afternoon. Behind the scenes stuff. We're taking you behind the scenes no here worries. on the sports cage. So you are officiating the, the Game 7 between the Estevan Bruins and the Flin Flon Bombers on Friday, the SJHL Championship. Bombers haven't won since 92-93. Bruins haven't won the league since 1999. The, Cent- the Centennial Cup is going to be held right there in Estevan, that beautiful rink. Do you, even after all these years, do you, do you get nervous for a Game 7 like the players would? I mean, excited, nervous, obviously. Yeah. But um, you know what? We do this uh, so much throughout the season, just like the players um, it's just another game and, and certainly the, uh, the fans will be hyped and it'll be exciting. Yeah. Your heart will be pounding, but, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, we have a job to do. Right. And, yeah. and that's why we do that job is because we're level headed. Um, and we make, got to make the right calls at the right time. So in, it's in, be awesome. in that circuit, Brent, is there a, is there a rink that you prefer better than the others in terms of ice surface? We talk about falling in terms of sight lines, in terms of like, and I'm talking lighting, everything like that. Is there something, one rink better than the other? Like, is that Estevan rink, the cream of the crop? Uh, certainly it's beautiful. Um, I, you know what? I keep going back to uh, Yorkton yeah. and, and I love it there. I've done a few kind of home and home games between uh, Yorkton and Melville, yeah. you know, around New Year's, they'll have those home and home games and, and uh, both Melville and Yorkton show up and it's great ice there. Great atmosphere. They'll part, pack the barn and uh it's uh it's hopping in there so do you uh do you like you got your uh your your flask there is that got protein shake are you getting ready to break up some fights on friday night or what well you just caught me in my gym time here so uh you know i gotta get to the gym after this but uh yeah no i'll be uh i'll be uh well well um rested and ready to go yeah ready to go yeah so (laughs) what's that like to jump in like I've always wondered that when you got to break up a fight, what's that? What's that like? Do you do you let them go for a bit? Is it the refs call? When do you jump in and do it? You know what? There's a I guess there's a happy medium to you know if we have a really big uh, height difference, you know obviously there's a little bit more. Um, we need to be in there faster. You yeah, know, and and protect if it's those a mis- guys. If it's right? a mismatch, exactly. Yeah, but um, no, you know what? Like the fans want to kind of see that intensity too, and so we're there for um, you know entertainment, but player safety, right? So. Um, you kind of read the play, um, you know, see what see what's going on, and and if there's you know a jersey over the head or you know something like that where we need to get in, mm. then at that point we will. But so uh, have you ever taken one in the in the chops? I have just recently actually. Just uh, was that that was moose chop? Was that moose game. Oh, the last Pats game. Yeah, the last Pats game of the year. I took one in the in the teeth there, and uh, yeah, I went to the you know bench and they they checked me out, and you kind of feel around. I've had blood or whatever, and and you feel for the tooth, and it's there, so that's good. And you know the lip was a little bit cut, but nothing serious. So you're do you like as a as a referee in the Western Hockey League or in amateur hockey? So you get your tooth knocked out. Do you got dental coverage? Like uh, not through your work, but through the league? Yeah, yeah. So well, both I guess, like uh, through work and yeah. the league um, combined. Yeah, like you're so, at the co-op refinery, yeah. but I'm talking. So you're an everyday man, which I like. But yeah. but like, does the league cover? Like you suppose you needed a root canal because some guy knocked out four of your teeth. Is the league going to cover it? I would hope so. Yeah. So I've had both. I've had ha- that happen actually. Um, the uh, a, both a puck and a stick in separate Ooh, yeah, situations. Yeah, puck. Yeah, and mm. it was it was not good. It was uh, it, down in Estevan actually. Um, working a game down there, and I took a, a puck in the teeth and lost kind of like ninety percent of the tooth, and Ooh. and uh, yeah, so it was uh, an interesting ride home for sure too. But uh, 
yeah, you come back and get her tied up and um, <laughs> eventually you're, you're good to go again with the. So, so you, so on. that's interesting too. So, so a team gets the puck and they're, they're dumping it in. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. it hits you. Yeah. Um, like obviously hits you in the, in the teeth, but do you ever get, do they hit you and then they get mad at you because they hit you? Yeah. You ever get that? Of course. Like, and, and more times than we probably should, to be honest. But uh, of course, we're not out there trying to get in the way. And, yeah. and we're doing everything we can to let the play continue. But, uh, you know, we're four bodies on the ice just like mm-hmm. like they are. So, uh, you know, we're, we're dancing around as best we can on the blue lines and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, occasionally, of course, we get hit. So so has, has a deflection ever gone off of you into a play where the, other, where the team scored? Like where there was a detriment to a team because no. of you? No. No. Never had that happen. Um, been close, but yeah, uh, yeah never had it. Okay, so you don't like, in, in sports, I played on the Rams, I've played on hockey teams, you've played on sports, you don't like everybody on your team, okay? But you have to you wear the same jersey. Is it the same in officiating? I often wonder that. Like, do you get paired with the same guys? Or are there sometimes you get paired with a guy you think's a knob that's, uh, that's officiating with you or refing with you? Like, or you're like, oh, God. No, you know what? We Stupid are... Stan. I'm just making up a name here. <laughs> no, honestly, we're a tight brotherhood. We really yeah. are. Um, and, and the and like just everybody uh, is super close. And, and yeah, you might have guys where you'll have maybe uh, a rookie ref and a rookie linesman working with a veteran ref and a veteran linesman. So you might have guys where you don't work with them as much. Mm. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, we all go to camp together. We all come up together and we're all uh, trying to do the best we can as a team. How about... Um... How about when you're on the ice? Do you catch yourself watching some of these studs? Like, how about Connor Bedard? Do you sometimes have to catch yourself? Like, whoa, like, wait a minute. Uh, I better do my job. Because the kid's unbelievable. <laughs> certainly. Certainly it's brief. you got to keep it brief. But, uh, I mean, the kid is unbelievable. Um, there's plenty of good times out there that uh, that you look around and you go, wow, like, these kids are eventually going to be playing in the NHL. And uh, it's just it's neat to have that, I guess, um, relationship with them in yeah. some way, right? And, and uh, yeah, be able to look back in time and... So you did your first Western Hockey League playoff series. Um, how, how did you think you performed in that Moose Jaw Saskatoon affair? Really well. Yeah, I was uh, really happy. Um, had actually a number of close calls in the blue line, of course, with the uh, the coaches' challenge now on the blue line. Oh yeah. Um, you know, just that much more pressure. I so guess, did they you challenge say. your call? They didn't. No. Okay, no, no challenge calls. It's only on goals. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, didn't have any of those issues, but certainly had a number of calls. Um, that were close, and then we can go back and and look at at the video and the clips and and uh, check them out. So uh, no, I was I was happy with. So my in the playoffs, when do you get graded? Like, is there a grade sheet when you get it? Like, how does that work after a game? Do they grade you automatically before the, or do they give you a a grade before you go to the next game? Or yeah, not so much graded as just uh, like things we did well and things we didn't do well, maybe mm-hmm. you know. And it and it's like we're all good, I guess, at that yeah. level, right? But it's it's the small stuff that we have to uh, to pick apart and. Um, you know, with the referees, they're, uh, you know, kind of looking back at some of their calls that they made or maybe didn't make. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and same with the linesmen. So, um, yeah, not really a, a grade system or, or numbers or points or whatever yeah. you want to call it, but just plus. So you're numbers. in the Western Hockey League and then you go to the SJHL. The talent level is better in the Western Hockey League, and that's no disrespect to the SJHL. I mean, there's a little bit older, older guys, different, like, like it's just a different kind of a player in the SGHL, both great leagues. Absolutely. But we were talking off the air about 
one critique is dropping the puck. There's different, like in the WHL, you're a fish, you're fisher, uh, your review guy. He, you're the guy who's reviewing your crew. Yeah. He wants you to do it differently than, than maybe the SJHL guy who's reviewing you. Right. Yeah. A little bit. Your crew and then, chief. That goes, I mean, honestly, league to league to league to league. Uh, each league has different rules we have to be prepared yeah. for in any given game. Each league has a, maybe a different standard of holding or hooking or tripping or, um, you know, those kind of fouls. So that uh, that goes for face-offs as well a little bit. Um, you know, they like a little bit of a faster face-off in the, in the Western League. And More of like a scramble, just get them in, get them out type deal? Uh, they still want it fair, for sure. It needs to be fair. Um, but, you know, as compared to the SJ, the SJ is certainly much more, uh, I'll call it rigid. Structured. Um, yeah, structured and, and uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. And uh, any wasn't there fights in the one Moose Jaw Saskatoon game? Did you officiate that one? I didn't officiate that one. No. I thought there was a scrap in the last one or something. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What's it like refing in that? The crush can was something else. They were on top of you. What's What's it like there in the spacious, beautiful mosaic place? Yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard rumors of those uh, the crushed can yeah. games from the older guys, but you know the newer rink is is beautiful as well mm. for sure. It's nice and. Uh, you know, they can pack it in there too and get loud. It's it's awesome. One of my favorite memories, uh, Moose Jaw Warrior game, I'm watching End Glass and it's a playoff game and uh, Jared Adams comes over the um, blue line, Pat's captain, and I'm standing next to his mom. And so he fires a slap shot and it goes off a stick yeah. and it goes over the glass and we both look up it hits the scoreboard at the end, comes down and hits her right in the nose and breaks her nose. Unreal. Breaks his own mom's <laughs> nose. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Right next, could have been me. Yeah. I saw him and said, hey, Captain Adams, thank God you broke your mom's. Man, that meatloaf must have sucked. <laughs> well, they, they warn you. I mean, they warn you at the games, right? In the big screen, it's yeah. like, pucks might be coming yeah. out of play. Like, yeah. You got to yeah. pay attention. So this guy works at the co-op refinery going on 10 years. Yes, he's twisted steel. He works out at the gym. But ladies, he's also a country music singer. We're going to get to that on the other side of the break as we're going to play one of his tunes. This is Western Hockey League, SJHL, great official, Brent Vandermeulen, and we'll get to his song in a moment. This is the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. That's the Eagles. We saw them here at Memorial Cup a couple years ago to kick things off at Mosaic Stadium with Vince Gill. Uh, Ballsy here in the control room, and this show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. Uh, once again, you want to weigh in on the show, you can do so by texting 936-6262. You can also call uh, 1-866-767-0620. That's our toll-free line. And our text line is brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. We're continuing our chat with Brent Vandermeulen, who did a great, like, I'll tell you what, some guys uh, uh, picked up, uh, what was that, Joe Exotic, Tiger Tiger King or whatever, and did a yeah. bunch of that Netflix stuff. Yeah. Zinger over there, he's a Star Wars nerd. He watched every movie oh, in the books. Get out. You did, you loser. You watched the old <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks games from 1986 at the Bradley Center. Number 1971 champs, baby. That's right, and last year's champs, too. Yeah. And this guy right here, Brent Vandermeulen, uh, he's like, you know what? I'm bored. What am I going to do? I'm going to become a country star. So tell us about uh, getting into the world of country music. Have you always liked music? 
Always liked it. Yeah. Honestly, some of the first memories I have of being a human is like at two <laughs> well, years old, human, uh, yeah. three years old, right? Yeah. Was was uh, listening to like Garth Brooks yeah. and Mary Chapin Carpenter were kind of the first two I remember. At you least know. you had good country stars. Yeah. I drove back. So we had an old, we went to Indian Head. That's where we drove over to Winnipeg for yeah. to visit family. And we had one of those long... Uh, station wagons with the wood paneling down the side and my brother and I would fight like cat and dogs our parents would stick us in the very back but it was one of those ones where you face traffic coming towards right. you so if they yeah. rear-ended you yeah. they they'd end up in your lap okay and we listened <laughs> to Don Williams and Loretta Lynn there now no disrespect to those country people but I can only hear so much uh Tulsa time you know what I mean I mean 90s country I still I argue is, is the greatest. I love decade. it. I really think so. I mean, I was a millennial that that grew up in that that era, that yeah. time with all those yeah. stars, and and uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I fell in love with. So talk about you. You got two songs that you wrote and produced. Uh, what what was the second one? So the second one we're still working on right now, actually, but it's uh, it'll be called Golden Hour. Okay, um, is the one I'm. And this one's right kind of like a Saskatchewan anthem. It's called Three O Six. That's right. How long did it take you from the time you decided to write it to this time? Uh, it, you know, it got to the point where we can hear it now. Yeah, well, that was quite a bit longer, I will say. Um, that was about eight months, uh, just again because of COVID, partially. Yeah. Um, you know, I started writing this kind of early twenty one. Um, and, uh, eventually we got it done by kind of the end of August, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, COVID threw a whole bunch of wrenches into the, into the, um, studio stuff and, and, uh, getting together with people to, you know, rehearse it and that kind yeah. of thing. So. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit more about the, cause you got a video to go with it and everything like that. But yeah. first you got it ready there, maestro. All right. We're going to roll this song. Brent Vandermeulen. Next time you're watching a Western Hockey League game at the Brandt Center and you want to boo the linesman, <laughs> think about the fact that this guy could probably sing at your next wedding or uh, when you're on a date with him. Who knows? I don't know if you have a girlfriend, but I'll, I'll get you a date before the show's done. Sounds Let's good. hit it. 306. There's not that 
sun. We love farming, fishing, and football, and a cold beer shotgun. It's my final destination, where I'm proud to live my life. I count my lucky stars above the land and under the skies. There you go, 306 from our buddy Brent Vandermeulen, and you're smiling like a butcher's dog over there. I love the fact that's what radio's all about, promoting Canadian talent, not only in football, hockey, whatever sport, but also country music. We just brought sports and music together. So I got to ask you, did you, did you, because it takes some stones to, to sing and it takes some stones to want to produce something. And before you go down that road, spend the money, did you kind of test it on friends and family and stuff? I did. Yeah, I kind of beta tested this a little bit. Uh, obviously, my first one, you know, a few close friends and uh, and family members just saying, hey, like, you know, you think this could go somewhere? And, and after you get, you know, 20 yeses and you're like, okay, like maybe I should, you know, pursue this, right? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, and you did a video with this too. You, you shot some of it at Mosaic Stadium. How I long did. did that take? Yeah, it was a quick shoot at, at the stadium. I rented it for, I guess, three hours, I think it was. Um, a friend of mine hooked me up there and then, uh, yeah, we went and found a, a grain elevator actually out in Stony Plain. Yeah. Sorry. Stony beach. Stony um, beach. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was great location. Uh, got lucky with like a train going by and a bunch yeah. of just yeah. cool time. You just things. had to wing it right. And the weather's got to be good and everything yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. That's awesome, man. So, um, and and that's why you're working the shutdown of the co-op refinery because it costs you some money to do this, right? I put my own cash on the line here, yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, worked a few extra overtimes for sure to make this uh, make this happen. But, we're we're yeah. gonna try. I'll I'll try to twist my boss's arm to play it some more. Okay, cool. yeah. Um, but where can they where can they find this uh, thing? So as of tonight, I'm I'm guess crossing my fingers that I've done everything right. But yeah. uh, the distributor told me that it's coming out uh, tonight at midnight. So uh, yeah, May fifth. Yeah. Um, was my uh, release date. And, and so, yeah, you'll be able to see it Spotify or sorry, hear it. Yeah. Uh, Apple uh, yeah. Music, uh, Google Play, all that yeah. those streaming services. Yeah. So, and so yeah. on. And how about the video? Video, we're, same thing or? Video, I'm thinking I'm going to hold for maybe like a week. I don't know. We'll, yeah. s- we'll see. I'm yeah. getting anxious to show it too. But, you know, I want to drive a little traffic to those uh, to those streaming services first. Yeah. Um, you know, see how that's going and then kind of just keep the, the ball rolling with the with the video well keep us in the loop we'll try to help the best we can and uh yeah that was fun man and uh i've seen the video it's fun it's good it's a nice video good job brother appreciate it appreciate it we're gonna take a break when we come back we'll speak with the number one pick for the riders in the 2022 cfl draft it's sam emelis the receiver from louisiana tech he joins us in our profiles feature here on the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620 ckrm You've seen them on the field. Now we dig deep to bring you a closer look at a Riders player with info you'll never find on the stat sheet. This is Profiles. Time to meet the seventh overall selection in this year's draft. The first pick by the Rough Riders receiver Samuel Emelis. Now do you like to go by Samuel or Sam? I'll go, I'll go by Sam. All right, Sam Emelis. I like it. Sounds cool. I like Samuel, too, but that's more for, like, uh, when you're a business guy after your football days. Samuel, how long have you been playing, how long have you been playing football for? Uh, I've been playing since I was, I would say, 13, 14 years old. Okay. So about eight, eight years. Yeah, so always on the offensive side of the ball, Sam? Yeah, I've always been on a, a receiver and returner, so I never had experience on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. Only been playing to see you. Okay, and so 
who did you kind of like to emulate when you were growing up? Who was kind of your role model in football? Uh, I would say I had a lot of a lot. I had a lot of um, role model. I would say I would say um, me coming from Montreal. I had S.J. Green, uh, which is my favorite receiver. Um, Steve Smith. Um, who else? Odell Beckham. Mm. And I also like the new generation in the NFL, like Justin Jefferson, um, Jamar Trace, and all those boys. So mm. that's who I try to. I try to take. I try to take names from every every receiver that I like. You're a Montreal guy. Do you know much about Saskatchewan and the Rough Riders, Sam? Uh, I know. I know a little bit. Um, Riderville. Um, I know. I know the stadium is loud. I heard a lot of a lot of people say that uh, the writer, uh, the writers um, have the best fans. So that's what I know so far. I know your aspirations are play to play in the NFL. That's everybody's aspiration to play in the highest league. Now, do you have a? Am I right when I say you have a, a mini camp tryout here coming up? Yes, I do. I have a mini camp invitation with the Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals, um, coming next week. So, um, so yeah. Door may have opened there with DeAndre Hopkins in that suspension because it looks like uh, you know things may have opened up there in the receiving core. But uh, just your thoughts on being drafted here by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the uh, in the oldest professional football league in the world. Man, it was it was good. Um, I've been talking to uh, Paul John Paul John for a minute. He came and see me when I was in Louisiana, so I always knew that Saskatchewan had interest in me. So it was great. Being being drafted and and and, and being somewhere where, where I want where they want me. Yeah, for sure. So obviously your goal is uh, is to to try out for mini camp. If that doesn't work out, uh, we'll see you in training camp. I'm assuming here coming up mid May. Most definitely. Yeah, you had a favorite number, Sam Emelis? Uh, I, I I always rock nineteen, but I don't have a favorite number. But nineteen nineteen is my is my football number for sure. Any reason why you chose that number? Uh, part of it, SJ Green, and um, yeah, that's that's yeah, really that's it, good. To be honest. That's cool that you uh, like yeah. SJ Green. You cited a lot of NFL guys, but then you put SJ Green in there. What did you like about SJ Green's game? I kind of see a little bit in that in your game in the fact that uh, he attacked the football at its highest point, and I saw a lot of highlights of you doing the same thing. Yeah, like you just said, um, there's a lot of similarities. Um, I just like how he's physical, um, how when whenever the ball in the air, like you're gonna go get it. And just his skill just his overall skills and me from being from Montreal and him playing for Montreal that time also it was just a it was just a, 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 a natural connection for me to um have him as my favorite receiver. So you were a UMass guy, right, that transferred to Louisiana Tech. Just tell us a little bit about your college days. Uh, college was a good experience. Um, went to UMass for three years, graduated there, then graduated to Louisiana Tech. Um, Louisiana, Louisiana Tech also was a great experience. Um, just having like a little cultural shock over there, mm-hmm. uh, and cultural new experience too. So it was great. Um, both experience really helped me. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad for the, uh, for everything college has brought to me. So what? Did you take in college? What are you looking to do when your football career is done some years later? Uh, down the road, I, I, I'm still thinking about it, but I would like to probably op- uh, have my own tr- uh, truck driving company, hmm. something like that. But we'll, we'll see. We never know what the, what, um, 
yeah. what the future holds. Yeah, that's a that's a question for down the line. You're a young guy with a lot of with a lot of years left in football, but I always like to pick the guys' brains away from the field here in this profiles feature. So, why trucking? Is is there a, is there a family connection there? Why a trucking business? No, no, no family connection. It's just um, I like I like the road. I like to be on the road. I like nature, so it would just be a natural passion for me to just have a driving company. So that's really that's cool, that's man. Really so is that how you de-stress? Get yeah. out on the open road and get out in nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. What's your favorite road trip so far? Can you think of one? Like where you just got in your vehicle and just drove? Yeah. Uh. I don't have. A, I would say I would say just me traveling uh, a lot um, for football games and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I got my my, my love for the roads. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a specific trip, but just being on the road, traveling the games, um, see different cities, see different environment. That, that's 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 why I grew up my love for 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 the road. Awesome. Okay, and lastly, for the rider fans out there, we talked about attacking the ball. Just if you could describe for us, give us a Coles Notes version, Sam, how you are as a receiver. Uh, I would say I would say I'm really versatile. Um, I like I like to make plays. Um, I'm a playmaker. Um, what else? Um, I could I could anything anything receiver everything in the receiver skills need. I can I can I definitely have a little aspect to it. So I would say I'm really versatile and uh and, and ready uh and be able to make make have the playmaking abilities. I know the riders were looking to add you because they lost Braden Lenius, the local guy, to the Atlanta Falcons and uh Terrell Janna, another receiver that came from NCAA retired. So uh you're walking in here with the chance to really make an impact uh, when you do get here. Uh what do you like about the Canadian Football League game? Uh just the excitement. Um I know it's really a offensive uh league driven. So I know they won't score, so that's what I want to as a receiver. And uh, also, it's a passing. It's a passing league, so it's I can ask for any better than that too. So that's that's what I would say. Yeah, you got quickness and speed in a stationary uh, position, which you have to be in NCAA American football. Uh, what do you think of that waggle and the chance for you to get a running start? You must be salivating to see that. Yeah, I mean, it go back to my days when I was playing um, in CJP in, in Quebec. I mean, in at Vanier College, so I got some experience there, but. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely exciting for me to uh, uh, now have a, a full head of a start. It definitely give you an advantage. So we'll see how it's gonna play out. All right, man. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Welcome to Rider Nation. We're happy to have you. All right, appreciate y'all. That is Sam Emelis, the newest Saskatchewan Rough Rider receiver. It's all right here on the Sports Cage 546 with your Sports Cage Sports Sticker. It's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. All right, Stanley Cup playoffs tonight. Carolina up 2-0 right now over the Boston Bruins with about three minutes remaining in the first period. So uh, Carolina looking to go up two games to none over the Bruins. Toronto at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning. No score right now, about five minutes into the first period. Let's see if uh, the Maple Leafs can go up 2-0 heading down to Tampa. Hope not, but we shall see. Later tonight, St. Louis, Minnesota. This is going to be a good series. Blues are up one game to none on the Wild. And at uh, 8 p.m. tonight, the L.A. Kings are in Edmonton for Game 2. And Edmonton really needs a win tonight before uh, they head out 
to the West Coast for Game 3, Ballsy. Mike Smith has lost 10 straight games in the playoffs. Oh. The Oilers have lost 7 straight home games in the playoffs. And they've lost 4 straight when Connor and Leon score in the same game in the playoffs. Our text line is brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, the number one Ford dealership in Saskatchewan, located in Northwest Regina at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. We got some text, Zinger? Uh, quite a few. Uh, first of all, I got a call from Kim in Saskatoon, and Kim told me, Ballsy, that he muted TSN last night, and he listened to us for the first two rounds. He said it was just way better coverage, yeah. and uh, I'm going to have to agree, uh, agree with you, Kim. Thank you for listening. We also, uh, also have a couple texts in here as well. Uh, thank you so much, Michael. Uh, and company for staying extra long to cover the first couple rounds of the draft. I uh, love listening to the inside scoops on these young future pros. I'm also so happy to see you as our new voice of the riders. Uh, very happy indeed that you're here. Keep up the good work, uh, gentlemen. So very, uh, very nice text. Thank you for texting in. TC and Medicine Hat texted in as well. Thanks for the draft coverage. Dogs, D-A-W-G-S. Yeah. Dogs, appreciate it. Appreciate you, TC. Thanks for listening. And uh, Eli texted in right after uh, we played... Uh, uh, Brent's song a few minutes ago. He said that song sounded so good, catchy, course. Where can we buy the CD? I got to get me. Well, he doesn't one have of a CD. C- he doesn't have a CD yet. He doesn't even have two songs it's yet. It's just a single. We got to relax. It's just a single, but uh, it's. A, I'm not saying it's not. I mean, it's a great song, obviously, but nah, yeah, no CDs quite yet. Well, who knows? Who knows? We may have broken. We may. <laughs> we have may. We may have just discru- uh, discovered the next Brad Paisley or George Strait. Could you, you never imagine? know. You never know. Right here on the sports cage, making stars out of the young football players and the young WHL linesmen who want to be country stars. That's right. I like, thought you were going to say WWE there for a sec. It's like, we're, oh, we're great in wrestlers, too. <laughs> Am I missing something? Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be was Bret Hart. Oh, yeah. what a rush was uh, the the warrior. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Animal and Hawk. Yeah. The there we go. The the road road there we go. Oh, <laughs> those All guys right, creep man. me out. It's time to get to our favorite thing. Time to take a look at the draft picks, and there were eight of them, so we'll go six picks and then two extra points, or the two-point conversion, as we like to call it. Okay, here we go. Nathan Cherry shook up the draft. BC Lions picked him at number three. High motor inside player, quick violent hands, and we got a hold of him last night right after he was drafted, Zinger. Oh, it feels awesome. Yeah, I'm just still, I'm still buzzing right now from getting picked. We're still in the middle of eating some pizza and some chicken, kind of getting ready to settle into the late first, maybe second round. And next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call. I'm like, that can't be for me. That's not right. And then, <laughs> then it was turned out to be BC. And I'm just, I'm still just, I'm so excited. I'm ready to go out there and give them everything I have on the, on the field. You told me you loved playing in UBC. So now you get to play under the big top there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always play best there, so hopefully just as 
just kind of sticks around permanently. Yeah, well, hopefully, except for when you play against the Rough Riders, I got to say that now. But did you have an idea the Lions were interested? Oh, no, I, I knew they were interested, but um, well, I knew they were interested, but yeah, I wasn't sure um, exactly who. I thought there was a one in nine team, one in nine shot for everyone. So yeah, it's a good way to put. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. So. Who's who's the first person you thought of, or what do you think of first when you when the phone rings and and you finally reach your dream? What are you thinking? What's the first thing that comes into your mind? Oh, just how much I love football. I just grew up watching the sport, spending nights at my grandma's house watching Friday night football. There's all those times I just have such a passion for. It. I'm just excited to be playing it professionally. Number two in the pick six, the second Saskatchewan player taken also by the BC Lions at number 12, Noah Zur, six foot five, 305 pounder, a great run blocker and has really come a long way in just over a year. He was with his family last night in Langenberg. You're from Langenberg, Saskatchewan. You played high school football in Yorkton. You go to the U of S where your dad was a player and now you're a Top, one of the top picks in the CFL draft, and you're going to go try out for the New York Football Giants. Like, mm-hmm. you got to pinch yourself, man. A little bit, yeah. I think I was asking my day, I asked my dad here today, just uh, how did we get here? You know, how did this happen? And there's been a lot of hard work to uh, go under that bridge, but uh, you know, it's it is surreal for sure. You got to wake wake yourself up, wake yourself up every now and then. My friend, and last question: Who's happier, mom or dad? Um, I think both are crying pretty heavily, so it's, yeah. it's hard to say. It's a close one. Were you crying? Um, I, I definitely shed a couple of tears for sure. The dream come true. And did you take? Did you guys all take a picture, like one of those family hugs type deal? Yeah, with all my high school coaches all huddled around. Oh, send me that picture, can you? I'd love to have that picture. I, I will. The uh, third Saskatchewan player taken was Redeem Brown from the uh, U of A Golden Bears offensive lineman out of Saskatoon. Six foot, 280 pounder. He might be a hard sell as an undersized center, but this dude is quick, physical, and embarrassed just about every defender in the combine. He's returning to school for one more year. By the way, he joins us tomorrow on the sports cage. We'll have him on there. Then the next guy taken by the BC Lions, another Saskatchewan kid, uh, a Regina kid, Ryder Varga, a linebacker. He's going back to school to the U of R to finish his engineering degree. He's got three classes left. Six foot one, 229 pounder, great blitzing off the edge, great first step, and all the makings of a great special teamer. You heard from Neil McAvoy, the GM earlier in the show. They got plans for him uh, the following year, but he's going to come to camp and see what it's all about this year. Then at 41, Riley Pickett, uh, picked by the uh, BC Lions again. U of S Husky defensive end, great power rusher, sound run defender at the U Sports level, big key in their Vanier Cup run, uh, played on the outside but could move to the inside too, so he's got that versatility, and he's a great athlete. McAvoy alluded to that in our interview with him earlier. That could translate into be, being a good special teamer. Then at 43, the Calgary Stampeders, a guy we didn't talk about much, but former Regina Thunder, then went to the Rams, six foot five, three hundred and twenty-five pounder Joel Braden, and here is his coach Mark McConkey of the Rams, who joined us last night talking about him. 
Regina kid. I uh, went to Tom, played for the Thunder uh, for a number of years, then came over, and he's he's really been great. I remember when we were recruiting him out of the Thunder, I was like, oh, he's a pretty good player, and mm-hmm. he came into our program. He's been starting for the last two years. He's he's a he's a big guy. He's got a um, got to cut down a little bit on a, a little bit of pounds, but before he can do that, he can definitely has a chance to to play pro. He does have some huge potential, and he's super athletic. Last year with the Rams, he started all six Canada West games at left tackle, was one of two Ram offensive linemen to start every game. Then at 51, Peter Kazushka of Yorkton, six foot seven, 300-pounder, a business student from the U of A playing on the offensive line, was picked by the Montreal Alouettes, so they went with two Alberta Golden Bears. Redeem Brown at 18, Kazushka at 51. We're going to hear from him tomorrow on the show as well as we like to highlight the Saskatchewan athletes, Peter Kazushka. And then before the draft was done, the University of Regina Rams didn't go far. I mean, uh, sorry, the Riders didn't go far. They picked from the University of Regina Rams receiver Riley Borsma, who tested really well. And Borsma tells us why it was a good choice by the Riders. This might come out as overconfident, but I think I'm kind of a, kind of a steal. I think uh, I don't know. I think I, I tested really well. I think I've I've had like my production hasn't been as good as it could have been throughout the last couple of years. I know you know last year we had some some quarterback issues, right. and like we end up playing our last game with our our fifth string quarterback. So that's you know obviously tough for production when you're when you're a receiver. So I I think I haven't really had the opportunity to show, and I had the COVID year my second year. And, uh, you know, I had pretty good production my first year. Um, but that year we had, you know, five really stellar receivers. Um, so the ball was spread out, out a lot. But I think, and I also think, you know, more than a lot of the receivers out there, I think I bring really good, uh, you know, like I can play specials. I think I'm physical, um, big enough and, you know, athletic enough that I can, I can play on pretty much every specials unit. So I think that's a big thing as well. One guy that was taken uh, by the Riders, and uh, Jeremy O'Day referenced it in the uh, scrum they had after the draft Diego uh, Alatore Montoya he is a Mexican played for UBC we will have him on the show tomorrow as well that's going to be a very that's an interesting story the fact he came over from Mexico to have a better life I talked to him uh, this past uh, off season and uh, yeah he's uh, really looking forward to becoming a Canadian Football League player with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders when we come back on the other side we'll talk with TSN's Farhan Lalji he anchored their TV coverage on TSN we'll get his thoughts on the draft maybe some Stanley Cup playoff talk and Bruce Boudreaux maybe not a shoe in to be the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks this is the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620 CKRM Show brought to you by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and they'll match your first deposit of $25 to $250. Ballsy in the big chair, thanks for taking us in. However you're doing it, uh, doing it we appreciate it. We know you have choices. Thanks for choosing us, 936-6262. Our text line to interact. That's brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, the number one Ford dealership in the province. And... All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. We had Brent Vandermeulen on the show, Western Hockey League SJHL official, who also released his first country song and the first 
place it played was right here on the sports cage on 620 CKRM. People are digging it. It's called 306. Comes out at midnight on all your streaming platforms. It'll also be on Cody Glyden's show between 7 and 7.30 on Sunday morning called Maiden Saskatchewan. The interview and the song 306. Uh, that's a great Sunday morning show. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. You can hear the song and the inter- interview with Brent Vandermeulen and our interview with Neil McAvoy and our interview with Sam um oh what what how do you pronounce his name Emilus Emilus that's it Sam Emilus Samuel Sam Emilus the Riders first overall pick seventh uh pick well first pick in the first round but seventh overall from Louisiana Tech let's get to the guy who was anchoring the show for TSN that's our buddy Farhan Lalji anything about that draft surprise you Farhan um a little bit you know I, I kind of thought BC went a little bit high with Nathan Sherry uh, which is not to say that that was a reach. I still thought he was a first-round player, but maybe at the bottom of the first round, not at the number three pick. Um, but for the most part, not really. I mean, you know, the trades were a little bit interesting. I didn't think Edmonton was going to part with Terrell Richards. I know they wanted to acquire a little more draft capital because they have so many needs, and they were able to do that. I don't know how Trey Ford's going to fill a need for them. He might be a good, you know, uh, have as opposed to a, you know, a want, I should say, as opposed to a need. But, um, you know, so... I, I didn't think Chris Jones would part with uh, with him because he's got the perfect Chris Jones skill set, right? As I said on the broadcast, that he's mm-hmm. not only is he is he long and athletic, but he's also American trained, right? Which which tends to matter to Chris Jones quite a bit. So um, you know he uh, he passed on him, but I guess he got Enoch McConzo, who kind of has a, a similar skill set. Although I think Richards is much better. So. The movement um, was a little bit surprising. Look, we get movement in the first round of every year's draft. However, um, there's just more to move for. And this year, because it was so thin, and even the top end, well, there was a gap after, let's say, the 10th or the 12th pick. Um, the, tenth, the top 10 weren't necessarily special. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that there was necessarily a lot worth trading up for, but uh, it was intriguing nonetheless. In that draft, though, the CFL draft in general, it's more. Uh, it's almost more quantity than quality uh, not to say the, the the guys you get in quantity aren't aren't good players but what I'm where I'm going with this is you have a better chance of finding a player the more picks you got yeah to a point you know the one thing I think if you look at the NFL draft versus the CFL draft um, your first three rounds in the NFL draft you're gonna hit for the most part you're gonna hit uh, whereas in the CFL draft there's just no guarantee of that and you can find diamonds late Right, so even though it's thin, you just maybe misevaluated, or somebody was in the wrong spot, or they haven't developed as much, or whatever it happens to be. But you know, you can find a key in Schaefer Baker later. And there's, you know, in the NFL, it's a little bit more of an exact science. And in the in the CFL, sometimes, I hate to say it, but if you look at the history of number one overall picks, they're awful. Like they're just awful. Right, Jordan Williams has, has done well, but generally, you go you go through the last ten, twelve years of number one picks, and you're going to find a whole lot of flops. Is it because and, is it know, because so just, is it because you think sorry for cutting you off Farhan but is it because teams don't do their due diligence as it relates to Canadian players? I think, I think teams take their chances. One of the things you know when people have the argument, I didn't make this in our online portion yesterday, but you get a lot of stuff in the CFL draft like a Terrell Richards 
player hasn't played for two years. The player's got a story. But because he's got a skill set, people are going to take a chance. That never happens in other sports drafts, right, at the top of the draft. But we're so obsessed with, with trying to find a way to expand the, expand the Canadian talent base to fit into the ratio that we just want to take flyers on guys. You know, you look at Jake Burt, right? I mean, practice roster player and hadn't done much, uh, you know, since he left Boston College. But all of a sudden, he goes number one overall because everybody thinks you're going to find the next Alex Singleton, right? Yeah. And and because people take those chances and roll the dice on a guy that played in the NCAA or a guy that just has a pedigree, but they don't pay enough attention to the story. They know it, but they justify that they can work around it, right? Because, you know, they just might not want to take the U-sports guy or whatever it happens to be. And, and you know, so when you do that, it's a 50-50 proposition, man. Whereas yeah. you don't do that in the NFL, like they're just not taking those chances on that type of player. But you go into every round in this CFL draft, and you will have a guy or multiple guys with a story, right, yeah. of why they didn't do this or why they got hurt then and why this worked out or that didn't work out. And, you know, it, 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 it's interesting, and it's, it's good for television, but at the end of the day, it's why we have a high failure rate and why later on in the draft you might be able to find some diamonds. And this draft could epitomize that because – you know, you've got such little football experience. I was shocked at the number of, you know, bios I looked up, and the guy had played 17 college football games, right? Because yeah. nobody played in 2020. So you get these, you get a lot of these guys who never saw the light of day on their roster until 2019, didn't play in 2020, and 2021 was a shortened season for many, right? Like a six-game yeah. conference schedule. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, there, there really is a lot of room to grow and, uh, and less room to get a full evaluation and, and so I, I think that leads to you know discrepancies on boards and, and why you can find guys late and why the early rounds aren't necessarily exact that's a very uh, good point what do you think of Emelis the guy the riders took with the uh, seventh overall selection he's got a mini camp invite to the Arizona Cardinals who all of a sudden have a, a needed receiver there I'm not saying Emelis is DeAndre Hopkins but you know where I'm going with that with that uh, PED suspension what do you think uh, of, of that selection um, I received uh, to right? You hope that uh, Justin McKinnis is able to take the next step and can be the second Canadian starter along with Schaefer Baker, right? But behind that, you know, I know we've got some guys that have been in the organization for a while, but you need, you know, you, you probably want to find that guy with a high end ceiling. And they had Emelis as the number one receiver on their board ahead of both Phil Potts, right? So. They liked his speed, his pedigree, his testing, all of that, right? So uh, it seemed to be a, a better fit for them. You know, another kid who had transferred from one school to a higher level uh, was able to still perform well despite having average quarterbacking. And, and I like the pick. I, I think he's, uh, I think he's a guy with a pretty good ceiling and less of a story than most. Thought the, I thought the Philpots got it right. We're trying to, we talk about CFL, NFL, and promotion and all this stuff. They were wherever they were. They were sitting as a family. Um and and they had their uh, the, all the hats out there and and ready to go. I I thought that was a good presentation by the Phil Pot family. They got marketing last night, in my opinion. Which we had done more that we tried to do something similar with the Fords, and you know we we didn't necessarily get a lot of access on the other side, and mm. um, you know we wanted more of that. There's no question. I wish we had a better phone connection, Richards, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, even though Colleen and, and Corey aren't together, they certainly have both been there for both boys throughout this process, right? And they've kind of respected each other's roles, and that's a nice thing. And, and that makes it comfortable for everybody else around them to have a celebration like that. And a lot of people were there, uh, you know, that much. 
Yeah, Farhan, we're gonna call. We're yep. gonna get Farhan. We're gonna get uh, Sean to call you back because you broke up there, and I want to get a couple more good, uh, clean comments in from you. So we'll let uh, Zinger phone um, Farhan back. Yeah. So uh, Jalen Phil Pot uh, went number. Uh, five to the Calgary Stampeders and number nine to the Montreal Alouettes Tyson Philpot and then of course uh the Fords I think uh I just gotta look Trey went to uh Trey went to um the Edmonton Elks and I believe the other Ford brother went to Winnipeg if I'm not mistaken so uh yeah the Ford brothers and the uh, Philpot boys did not uh, go to the same spot back to the whole Philpot thing and yeah interesting uh you know if you were ranking them is Jalen did, did they go in the right order to me they did I think Jalen's a little bit better than Tyson yeah, I think they're they're a little different, and and you know, as soon as I talked about Terrell Richards' bad connection, I guess I got my own. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Sutton, um, you know, he's a guy that can can be. Because, uh, I think of his his running back background. I coached against him in high school. He was a running back in at Seattle, and you know, Tyson's always been a receiver. So I think Tyson's been a better route runner. He's a fluid route runner. He sets guys up a little better. Probably he's a little small as well. Uh, you know, when Jalen gets the ball in his hand, he might have a little more ability to make you miss. But honestly, we're splitting hairs because they really are quite similar in their skill set. Yeah, for sure. And lastly, Farhan, uh, Trey Ford goes to Edmonton. Uh, um, he likes athletes, he being Chris Jones. That's what Ford is. He's a freak athlete. Uh, he's an eighth uh, camp arm. I, I would suggest he'll get more of a chance. But here's the thing with Ford, with the rules changing and being allowed to have two quarterbacks on the field, uh, he could be used in a role where he could uh, they could drop some plays for him. Absolutely, and I think Chris Jones would be very much in favor of doing something like that. And he's not afraid to take those chances, whereas others get a little conservative. He'll probably get the Stephen McAdoo and say, "Yeah, let's make some of that happen." And I think he'll get a real chance because they don't have a solidified quarterback situation in Edmonton. So if you can roll the dice on a guy like that who's you know extremely confident and talented. Um, why not, right? And I know Chris Jones was impressed with him at the Buffalo Pro Day, impressed with him at the camp. He was keeping a close eye on him. When they made those trades and wound up with two picks in the first round, I, I said to my Edmonton uh, colleagues, this is set up for them to take Trey Ford at some point in the first round. So not a surprise that he rolled the dice there. Okay, lastly, before I let you go, uh, saw the GM today in Vancouver at the Canucks. Not exactly, not exactly, uh, I wouldn't say he was, I don't know, maybe I'm reading it wrong. It wasn't like a, uh, he wasn't gushing over his head coach. Am I reading that wrong, or, or or how do I take that press conference? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, I, I do think they, they do want Boudreaux back, but they're not going to just look at it based on results, that they do want to look at process. And I think that's a good thing, because some of their process, it, it wasn't good. And I'm not, you know, when he talked about structure and when he talked about zone exits, a lot of that was just because the defense is so bad from a personnel standpoint. So you can't hang that all on Bruce, but... Um, just kind of winning games, fortunately, and leaning on their goaltender. They want to make sure they're winning games and also deserve to win games, right? And um, this team's got a ways to go. So look, I, I would have extended Bruce. I absolutely would have extended Bruce, but, um, you know, he wasn't their hire, and I think they want to wait and make sure that he can have a bit of a longer runway and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, prove to them that it's a good fit so that they don't wind up going to pay multiple coaches um, that, that they've let go. But yeah. if it was me, I, I think... I think he's been there long enough. They said he hasn't done a full season. Well, he did like, you know, 70% of a season. So 
I certainly think he's earned it. Farhan, thanks very much for your time, man. Been a long couple days for you. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right, take care, Balzi. That's Farhan Lalji from TSN, the host of their uh, coverage of the CFL draft. And, of course, he's a play-by-play guy for TSN and also does uh, Vancouver Canucks coverage. We apologize for the line there. I'm not sure if it was on our end or his end. Uh, we'll try to clean that up the next time we have Farhan on. It is Wednesday. That means we take a trip down memory lane. It's where are they now Wednesday to wrap up the show next for spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Now we check in with the players, coaches, movers, and shakers who help build Canada's league. It's Where Are They Now? All right, John Liff, former president of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. First off, we just got through another CFL draft. I don't expect you to be an expert, but did you follow it? What do you think? Well, I followed it, you know, uh, somewhat. I, I watched the, the first round, and uh, it... it wasn't there was no really big huge uh name that that jumped at me but uh it, there was a, a lot of good talent that was picked uh, a lot of emphasis on the offensive defensive line and uh, uh defensive uh backfielders but uh, uh the writer picked a, a receiver that that looks pretty good so mm-hmm. yeah overall overall i think it uh it was a decent, uh, decent draft, and and but some good Canadian talent that hopefully we'll see in the future. Yeah, you can't really judge a draft till two or three years down the line. Riders hosting, yeah. Riders hosting a Grey Cup. You were in charge of the team when they did that back in 1995. Just talk about the pressure that comes with hosting a Grey Cup, uh, and I'm not even talking about trying to win. I'm talking off the field, kind of the strain <laughs> in the organization because you got to worry about the year, and and then you also got to worry about uh, putting on a Grey Cup. Yeah, of course. Uh, now, if the team happens to get into Grey Cup, it makes things a little bit more fun and a little easier. But you're right. Uh, putting on a Grey Cup is all about organizing it. And <clears throat> fortunately, we've always had great volunteers uh, that have come involved. That really is what makes the Grey Cup Festival uh, such an important event. And and we emphasize, and we did in '95 and every Great Cup that we've hosted, we emphasize putting on a good show off the field for fans because we want them to come not just to watch the game, but to come and spend a few days in Regina and uh, participating in all the events we put on, which helps our our uh, restaurants and pubs and so on. Yeah. So. We emphasize that and a lot of fun, uh, and, and that's been so. That's one reason why every Grey Cup that's held in Regina is always considered one of the best, you know, best run Grey Cup festivals that that is put on. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Lip joining us here in the Where Are They Now segment. Uh, quickly before we get to the real reason why I wanted to have you on Plaza of Honor every year, you're in charge of picking who goes in. When can we have an announcement? When can we expect an announcement? Well, we will be uh, having a, a tentatively a press conference will be held on May 9th, and uh, we will then announce this year's uh, inductees in, into the, the the plaza. And uh, the the uh, exciting weekend uh, will be in, in mid mid August, uh, and uh, we look forward to 
having three new members join the plaza. Awesome. We'll uh, get to that uh, when we get to that. Okay, the reason I had you on, guys like you, Tom Shepard, Phil Kershaw, the Marses, those kind of guys behind the scenes are really what help us get football teams on the field. I think with the Rams, and the Rams uh, were represented in the draft with Ryder Varga uh, being picked, Joel Braden, and Riley Borsma, a receiver that went to the Riders with their last pick in the uh, eighth round. Um, but when I think of the Rams, I think of guys like uh, Doug McKillop, Ed Benkowski, those guys that didn't have kids on the team but continued to support the team behind the scenes, like Bob Pelton. I wanted to talk about a guy that just passed away, and you brought it to my attention. I missed it. So I always think it's uh, nice to honor our past. Let's talk about a former Rams president, Jerry Joint. Oh, yes. Uh, Jerry Joint was uh, heavily involved with the Rams in the late 90s, early 80s, he was uh, uh, actually being on the board for a while, but also was president of the Rams for three years. And and he also uh, was quite involved in the Canadian Junior Football League at the national and provincial and national level. In fact, he was president of Football Canada for a couple of years. He was president of the Canadian Junior Football League, besides being the you know, president of the Rams. And, uh, yes, you're right. People like, in, in those days, it was, uh, Jerry was, uh, as, as I became the president, but there were other guys like Joe Katarna, Scotty Livingston, that, uh, in fact, and, and uh, were involved in in uh, a couple of big things that happened during, during his tenure here. Uh, one of them was they during that time they built the Ram Clubhouse, which uh, has been an important part of training for and and for the Rams in their training and and so on. And to this day, the Ram the the clubhouse is is still in existence, although it's now used by the Thunder. Yeah, very vital. Ver- yeah, very vital for the Thunder. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely yeah. definitely a legacy there in the North Regina. He also was big in a, in a big Canadian moment too when we're talking about the uh the Olympics in Calgary in 1988. Yeah. He was a big part of that too. Yeah, for sure. He when, when he left after he left Regina uh in in the late mid 80s, he moved to Calgary and he became very involved with the uh, as Jerry meant, tended to do, when he get involved in something, he was passionate, and he would just uh, uh, work hard and rise to the top. He ended up being the vice president of communication for the 1988 Winter Olympic Games, All, uh, highly successful Olympics, as as many people recall. So yeah, he he really made his mark uh, here in Regina uh, with his involvement with the Rams. And and other things in the city while he was here, and then of course in Calgary where he, besides the Olympics, he was very involved in that community. I should also mention one other yeah. important thing that that uh, happened during uh, Jerry's tenure. It's it's when they uh, during that time they hired Gord Curry as the coach for the Rams. Of course. Uh, the legendary Gord Curry, and and during you know that started what I would call the golden era for the Rams when they were dominant in Canada for year after year, and you know um, by them hiring Gord Curry uh, out of Belfort Tech at that time 
uh, was a big was you know a, a big important move as well. Yeah, I tell you what, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, amateur coach in Saskatchewan history, right there, Gord Curry, certainly Regina history. Thanks for this, John. I really appreciate you uh, taking me down a trip down memory lane and remembering a, a great guy in Jerry Joint. Uh, we'll look forward to that Plaza of Honor announcement soon. Okay, Baldy, thanks. And that'll do it for our show. If you missed any of the show, you could check out the podcast for Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Uh, coming up, though, not Zinger at night. We got the uh, radio auction coming up. And Zinger, you you got to come on here for a second because you know all the deets. Where can they go to get in on this auction? You can check it all out. You can head to 620CKRM.com, and I believe there's like a banner at the top yeah. of the webpage there. You just click into it, and then uh, you can uh, scroll through and see all the items oh. at McDougallAuction.com. And I believe the last uh, item wraps up at 820 tonight. So we got Cody, Program Director Abby White in. Uh, Glory Evans in. It's going to be a party here That's in the right. studio, and man. And lots of great deals to be had. So That's make right. sure you get in on it. It's the radio auction. I'm out of here. We'll talk to you tomorrow. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, working to make affordable home supports for seniors a reality. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca